Welcome to 721 Live. I'm Sam Hunter, and I am glad that you joined us today. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. You know, from time to time, I, I like to remind you of something I heard going into a meeting once. Let's transition from getting here to being here. Let's transition from getting here to being here. So if I could just get you to block out all the distractions and all the busyness and the noises bouncing around in your head and all around you and just focus on what God is going to say into your heart today because he's always speaking to us. It's just whether our hearts are open and listening to the message that it may not even be my words, but it'll be his words coming into your heart. So again, thank you for joining us. We are starting a series on prayer, which I believe will go for several weeks because it is such a fascinating and yet vague and ambiguous topic with lots and lots of questions and lots and lots of misunderstandings. So we're going to jump on that. But first, let me remind you that 721 Live is the radio arm of 721 Ministries. You can find out all about us at our website, 721ministries.org, 721ministries.org. We've got a Vimeo channel, YouTube channel. We've got past radio shows. We've got posters and charts and exercises. You can find out everything you need to know about us and get some, see some things that are very interesting at 721ministries.org. There's a link on that site to our sister website, which you can also go directly to, puttinggreenblog.com, puttinggreenblog.com. On that website, we've, you can sign up for our weekly emails. We call them putting greens. They're weekly devotionals, uh, free of charge, of course, and we've got books for sale there. And I'll tell you more about some of the books that are coming up that we're getting ready to release. But again, thank you for joining us. Before we jump into prayer, let me back up to last week, and I encourage you to go back and listen to last week's show. Go back to our website and check that out, because we were talking about the idea of gates. Jesus said to pay attention and look out for the narrow gates, because broad is the road that leads to destruction, and very narrow is the road, and narrow is the gate that leads to life. And he is he's specifically talking about life to the full. And so I took his his words about gates, and I, I get it, did an entire lesson, an entire radio show on the idea of him bringing us, the Holy Spirit will bring you up to gates as you journey through life. And at these gates, which get more and more narrow as you go deeper and deeper into your relationship with Jesus, these gates, the Holy Spirit will prompt your heart, convict your heart, and say something like, Now, Sam, you have to drop that bad habit that you've been carrying along. I, I have not said anything about it up now because we were working on other things. But now we're at a point in our journey together, the Holy Spirit is convicting me, you need to drop that particular habit. It might be a bad habit. It might be porn or alcoholism or drugs or uh, sexual immorality or any number of things, a hot temper and all those kind of things, abusive behavior. Or it may just be some habits that aren't so evil but are just not anywhere near the best. And he says, I want that to stop. And he walks you right up to that gate and our typical response in that setting is, is first to say, I, I, I don't want to do that, or I cannot even do it. I, I, I want to do it, but I, I just cannot do it because that's who I am. It's been a habit with me for so long. No, I, can't, I cannot do it. And Jesus will say to us in that moment, okay, I still love you. You're still saved. We're not talking about a salvation issue here. We really are talking about a sanctification issue. So you just hang back. You're still in the kingdom, but you're not going any further. 
until you're willing to let go of whatever that baggage you're carrying around, skinny up a little bit to get through this gate. Now, my experience has been that I, I hang back for a little bit, and then I, I'm just convicted that this is not, I, I want to go deeper. This is not getting me deeper into the kingdom where I've already tasted the love, joy, peace, patience, the, the excitement, the richness of going deeper into the kingdom. So I go back up to the gate, and I'll say, okay, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm going through. I need, I need you, Holy Spirit, to help me and give me the power and the strength. I want to do my part, but I'm going through. And then when I get on the other side of the gate— the immeasurable, immense relief of having let go of whatever that was I was holding on to or having gotten rid of whatever was holding on to me. And now I'm on the other side and I'm going deeper. Eventually, the Holy Spirit will bring me to another gate. I'm sure you've experienced this in your journey. And in that next gate, which has now gotten more narrow, he challenges me with something that's going to be even more difficult but perhaps has got a stronger grip on me. And this series of, of progressively more narrow gates as we go through our journey, the Holy Spirit has taken us up and convicting us one at a time of these issues that need to go. Now, there are times when the Holy Spirit will lead you up to a gate and say, now, I'm, I don't want you, you don't need to drop anything. I want you to start. I want you to go into action. To go through this gate, I want you to reconcile with that person. Or I want you to get involved with that ministry. Or I want you to write a check. Or I want you to go see that person, reach out to that person. I want you to start giving your time. And it's the same dynamic of whether you'll walk through that gate or not. Well, when we refuse to go through the gate because we don't want to drop a bad habit or a bad heart issue, we won't forgive someone, we're carrying around greed or fear or anxiety or jealousy or whatever it is, that's called grieving the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 4. We're grieving the Holy Spirit when we refuse to do, well, we're grieving the Holy Spirit when we continue to do what he asked us to stop doing. That's called grieving the Holy Spirit. In 1 Thessalonians 5, we read about quenching the Holy Spirit, and that's when we won't do what the Holy Spirit is prompting us to do. Grieving is when we continue to do what he's asked us to stop doing, bad behavior of some sort, Quenching the Holy Spirit is when we refuse to do the things he's telling us to do. Now, the reason I backtracked to last week to set up prayer is, how are you going to sense and hear those convictions from the Holy Spirit? Well, you're not going to hear them with the radio going in your car every time you're in the car. You're not going to hear them when you are constantly distracted with some type of electronics or some type of busyness, whatever it might be. You're not going to hear those quiet but very persistent, sometimes emphatic convictions from the Holy Spirit. So that leads us into this idea of prayer because that's how you're going to hear the Holy Spirit prompting you with convictions, not condemnation, but convictions in your heart by being in a, in a ongoing day in and day out throughout the day conversation with your Heavenly Father or with, and or with Jesus, your best friend and your Savior. So that's why we're embarking on this series on prayer, because there's so much confusion. I mean, is there any aspect of following Jesus that's more vague and ambiguous? I mean, whenever I'm in a group and I ask the question, how many people here are very comfortable and confident about their prayer life? Well, I never get anybody raising their hands. Now, discounting that nobody want, that might be somebody in the room that wants to show off or doesn't want to show off, excuse me, by raising their hand, 
99% of the people I ever ask will say, no, I, I don't know. I don't feel good about it. I think it's lame. I think my prayer life is, is lacking. I don't know how to do it. And, and so if I ask for questions about prayer, and I, I've got a list that I've put together over the years, and it's, it's quite extensive, but they're all very similar in nature. Let me just throw out a few, just a couple, really. The first one is, does it work? Does prayer work? All right. The next one is, you know, we always talk about God's will being done. So what right do I have to ask him for the sick to be well and good things to come to good people and peace to a troubled world? This seems like I'm asking for my will. Here's another one. Are there things you should not pray for? Personal financial success, other personal concerns that are solely for your own benefit. Here's another one. One thing I wondered, Sam, about is how important is the location or position of your body? You know, do you need to bow your head? Can you pray or talk to God walking through the woods? Or does he hear you better on your knees at the altar rail in the sanctuary? Here's another one. How often? On my knees, standing up, eyes closed, or I have to take my hat off. What does Jesus mean by going into your prayer closet? Is prayer more effective while laying hands on the person you're praying for? Is corporate prayer more effective than individual prayer? I could go on and on. Perhaps I would ask you to pause and think about what questions you have, because you have them. Many of our questions are similar to something like, how do I pray, or what is the proper way to pray? But if we think about our questions, I think we must admit that they typically center around this underlying worry. How do I ask to get what I'm asking for? I mean, that first question that I posed, does it work? Does prayer work? Well, the, the only way to answer that is dot, 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 to get what I'm asking for. Now, asking for what we want from our Heavenly Father is perfectly acceptable, and He encourages us to do that. But it is really just the starting point of prayer, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of a most elemental aspect, to be sure. Jesus tells us, that living in the kingdom now is knowing our God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, his Savior. Now, stop and ponder that for a moment. Eternal life, the A-plus life to the full, the deeper life, the living heaven-on-earth life now is all about knowing your heavenly Father and his Son, Jesus. I mean, Jesus says it at the right there towards the end of his uh, John 14 through 17 upper room discourse, he prays, now this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. But isn't that an astounding promise that this type of life awaits us as we get to know God and as we get to know Jesus better? So how do we do that? How do we get to know them? Well, we pray. But we don't just ask for things in our prayers. No one is going to get to know someone or anyone better just by asking them for things. No, we engage in an ongoing, on and off, throughout the day conversation, as we said before, with our Heavenly Father and our best friend, Jesus. So I want you to think about this scenario. And I've done this in various groups, and it's really interesting to watch this unfold. Let's just imagine you're in a group, and I ask you to introduce someone to the others 
but you don't really know that person very well. Now, you might be able to stutter out a few facts, you know, something like, well, I think he's married or she's married. I, I think he has children. I'm not sure how many. He works at the bank or, you know, she works at, at uh, she's a lawyer. But you'd be a little uncomfortable because you don't really know how to introduce him. All you really know about, about them is, is some facts about their life. Now, let's switch the scenario. I ask you to introduce one of your dear friends, perhaps a, a childhood buddy. Now, I've watched this happen many times. It's fascinating to watch how someone who was a little bit stiff just a moment ago, now their whole countenance changes. I've watched them as they, as they just start to relax, and, a, and really a smile breaks across their face. And, and they start telling stories, stories about all their experiences together. I mean, yes, they might include a few facts, but the real joy you can see it in their face is laughing about some of the things that they've experienced together. That is a really fun and interesting exercise. But here's the point of the exercise. What about if I asked you to introduce Jesus? Now, I don't mean present the gospel. I mean introduce him. I mean, I can imagine some people would go, uh, <clears throat> uh, let's see, uh, he is the son of God. Uh, Jesus Christ, of course, I'll put in parentheses, and Christ is not his last name, you know, it's his title. Let's see, he walked on water, he fed 5,000, he changed water to wine. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Well, what about his joys and, and his disappointments? Well, what? Really? Gee, gee does, does, anybody, does anybody really know that? Can anyone really know that? Or would you have a multiple multitude of stories to share about your experiences together? Both in the good times and the difficult times and in intimate times of friendship as well as fun times? Would you be relaxed and even excited to have the opportunity? I mean, would you have just all kinds of things to say, oh, yeah, Jesus. Well, yeah, let me, I can tell you some facts about him, all these things about feeding 5,000 and walking on water and all that. But let me just tell you about some of the times that we've shared together. Or would you be uptight, not really knowing what to say, not really having any personal experiences upon which to draw? You see, over all these years of doing men's ministry, and just life in general, I, I mean, this is real obvious, but you get to know someone by spending time with them. Yet, you see, I can see a man on, on a weekly 721 meeting for a year and only learn facts about him. But when we sit down and one-on-one -on -one and start talking and opening up and sharing, then I get to know that person. I get to know their hopes and their fears and their joys and their disappointments. And my friend, that's prayer. That's prayer. It can be that simple. I want you, as we go through this series, to just let go of any anxiety, of any concerns, any questions you have, and just talk and listen. And it may be odd at first, but just get into the habit of that ongoing conversational relationship talking with your Heavenly Father, with your best friend Jesus about, as Dallas Willard says, about, about what we're doing together in life. You see, Paul said in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ. I want to know him. 
And then Jesus comes along, as I mentioned just a moment ago, and, and says now to his heavenly Father in John 17, 1 through 3, he says, Now for you granted him, me, authority over all people, that I might give eternal life to all those you have given me. Now this is eternal life. Pause. Now this is eternal life. We're getting ready to be here eternal life defined. And your mind may rush to floating around on clouds in the sky or some type of nebulous and vague, vague idea about what eternity might look like. But that's not what Jesus' focus is. He says, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's eternal life. Life to the full the deeper life, the heaven on earth, now life is experienced and expanded as we get to know our Heavenly Father and as we get to know Jesus. It can be just that simple. But let me tell you what I want to do over this series. I want to, I want to accomplish two things, really. I want to instill in you a confidence and comfort level in your prayer life. I, I, want, I want to remove all the vagueness and ambigu ambiguity. I want to remove this idea that am I talking to the air? Is, is El Shaddai, God Almighty, creator of the universe, actually listening to me? Me? When I open up my mouth or my heart to him? Is he automatically listening to me? Or, and is he actually going to respond? I want to drive home that you are approaching your heavenly Father who loves you perfectly. If you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit inside. And we read in Romans 28, 26 that the Holy Spirit is interceding for all our prayers. We'll talk more about that in future shows. But, and I don't know what that means, but I'm reading it. I'm reading the Scripture. The Holy Scripture is telling me that the Holy Spirit is interceding for my prayers. When I don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit takes my prayers and delivers them perfectly. But even more than that, we read in 1 John chapter 2 that Jesus is always at God's side interceding for us. So the confidence and comfort that we can have in approaching God Almighty with what some people ask me or say, you know, my prayers just seem so lame. You got the Holy Spirit taking your prayers and perfecting them and Jesus taking them, receiving them, and then handing them to, the, to your Heavenly Father you cannot lose. You cannot go wrong in your prayers. Now, the writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews 4.15, says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize. That's the word, empathize. The difference between empathize and sympathize, as you know, empathize, he has, someone has experienced what you're, what you're experiencing. I'd far rather, in times of need or times of hurt or times of of questions in my life, whatever, to be talking to someone who's actually experienced what I have versus them just feeling sorry for me and having some sympathy for me. But we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. But because of that, verse 16, because he knows what you're feeling when you come to him, your doubts, your fears, your joys, your wants, your hopes, your disappointments. He understands. Verse 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Yes, you, 
flawed you in all your humanity and your weakness can approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You can approach that throne, and I'm going to give you a couple more passages to just reinforce this. Hebrews 10, 19, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, that's behind the curtain, the holy of holies, that the high priest could only go into once a year. You just walk right up by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened up for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and the full assurance that that faith brings. Confidence. That's what your Heavenly Father wants you to have. If you're a parent, would you want your children to be nervous about coming and just talking with you and sharing their heart with you? Wouldn't you want them to feel completely at ease, confident and comfortable approaching you to just open up? Well, James takes it one step further. James 1.5, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. If any of you lacks wisdom, I think we can very, very uh, confidently put, put in here, if any of you lacks anything, you lack understanding, you lack guidance, you don't know what to do, you need help. You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. Now, that's an interesting statement that's not particularly clear in the way it was translated. In the vernacular, it means he never gets tired and frustrated and irritated with you for coming to him. That's what gives who gives generously to all without finding fault. He never says, are you really back with that again? Are you whining about that again? I'm tired of hearing you whine about that. I'm tired of hearing this come up over and over. We are assured that never happens. Now, I can imagine that there are times, as I've been with, walking with the Lord for 27 years, that he might say, really, Sam, you're, you're nervous about that? You're worried about that? Have we, have, have we not been together long enough? to where that really shouldn't be an issue. I can imagine that unfolding from time to time, but James assures us he never gets tired, he never gets irritated, he never gets frustrated with you coming to him. Luke eleven eleven, Jesus himself says, Which of you fathers or mothers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, you're human, you're weak, you're frail, you're full of mixed motives, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? And that's a statement we're going to see over and over as we study Jesus' words on prayer in relation to our Heavenly Father. How much more will your Father in heaven, in Matthew he says, give good gifts to those who ask. In Luke, because Luke's always thinking about the Holy Spirit, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. How much more? You've got to, any parent wants to give good gifts to their children, how much more is your Heavenly Father going to always give you good gifts? You know, in all the questions that I get about prayer, and as I read Jesus' words, there's nowhere in Jesus' words does he, does he address unanswered prayer. It's always about the answering. Everyone who asks receives. 
You always receive a response. Now, I want to just finish with this idea of ACTS, this acronym A-C-T-S, and we'll explore this further. But adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Supplication is asking for things. So just as in the Lord's Prayer, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, honor to your name, adoration. Let me start there. Sometimes if I were just to hang there for a while, I might not even need to go any further. Our Father, who's in heaven, always around me and all the heavens around me, hallowed be your name. Stay there. Adoration. Confession. Get self out of the way. Confession means to agree with. Just agree that you're, that you're weak and you're, 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 you need help and you're conflicted and you're just coming to your heavenly Father. Just confess and get that out of the way. Thanksgiving. Because you know you'll be thanking him later. Because as Jesus said, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? You know you're going to be thanking him later, so thank him beforehand. And with all that having been done, now you can get into the supplication. Now you can start asking. And just imagine that if you've really poured your heart into those first three, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, how the supplication is going to shift away from me and more to others and more to him. How much faith do you need? In John 4:49, the royal official comes from Capernaum. He finds Jesus just outside Cana, and he says, please come help my sick son. He says, sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus says, go, your son will live. And the next line just astounds me. It stuns me. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. Why don't we do the same thing? Why don't we just take Jesus at his word and depart and abandon the outcome to him? You see, if I'm this man and Jesus says, go, your son will live, I doubt I'm getting back on my horse and riding off without a few follow-up questions. Wait a minute, why don't you come with me? Please come with me. Or wait a minute, are you telling me just to go and you're going to, how are you going to do that? I need some questions answered here. I have a lot of confusion and questions about this whole prayer thing. I just asked you to heal my son. You said, go, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. Let's determine to do the same thing. Yes, your, Jesus assures you that your heavenly father is listening. He's responding you're not talking up into the air. Let's take Jesus at his word and abandon the outcome. Let's take Jesus at his word that everyone who receives who asks. Let's take Jesus at his word that he's sitting at the right hand of the Father and he's interceding for you. Let's take Jesus at his word when he says, how much more will your loving Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who come to him? May you learn to pray with confidence and comfort as you approach the throne of grace. I'm Sam Hunter, and this is 721 Live. So long, God's peace to you. I hope to see you next Friday.